Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 311. The Eagles have lost the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs. In case you missed it, you might have watched it. You may not have. uh, Not sure. But they lost 38-35. Tough loss. Looked like they kind of were rolling at halftime. um, Up, what, 10, I guess, at halftime. And then uh, you didn't know what Patrick Mahomes was going to look like uh, heading into the second half with his... Uh, ankle being banged up, limping around off the field. And then it all went badly in the second half. Uh, but before we get to all that, first of all, buddy, how are you doing? And where can I find uh, the finest meat snacks in the land? Well, I'm soliciting people for this question. I was going to save it as a final thought, but I might as well bring it up, up top, Jimmy. Um, I had promised myself that I would do something nice for myself if the Eagles did not win the Super Bowl as a way to kind of, um, you know, like oh, a, 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 okay. a little hedge. Uh, whereas if they had won, little little soothe yeah, yourself, you know, like a, a emotional eating kind of thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. It's just an example. Also, on the flip yeah. side, if they had won, I would do something that I have been like maybe putting off because that way it would have been like, okay, well, I can't put this off anymore. This is kind of the trade off. This is my penance I have to pay for the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. I have to do something that I haven't been wanting to do and get to that. So, um, but they lost, as you mentioned. And maybe one way I could cheer myself up is if I just get a bunch of righteous felon craft jerky and shove it all into my body uh, and ingest that. Um, questionable, you know, if the Eagles had enough of that going into the big game because, uh, you know, they lost. But righteousfelon.com, discount BGN15 right. for 15% off your order. Uh, you asked how I'm doing, Jimmy. I think the the vibe for me coming out of this game is not so much uh, like – sad or angry it's just exhaust i'm i feel exhausted i'm exhausted uh i just think back to how you know like we're covering this team in training camp we're doing daily pods you know all the way back in late july august i'm traveling to cleveland i'm traveling to Mm -hmm. august and i feel like we might get into it about the penalty at some point because i saw what you wrote in the post game column but it's just like for the whole for all of this for all of this special eagle season to just end in this very anticlimactic way where it's just a holding penalty that yeah. was like, okay, by letter of the law, is it a holding penalty? I'm sure. But it was also the only one of the entire game. And we're really calling that. And we're deciding the game like that. And it's the second year in a row where because last year was the Bengals and the Rams. And I was rooting for the Bengals to win. Cause I didn't want to see Sean McVay win and the Rams win. And Logan Wilson has a nice pass breakup or so it seems in the moment. And the refs call holding on the most tackiest defensive holding penalty, even more so than Bradbury's. And the game's basically decided. And it's just like two straight Super Bowls where the ref, the, the deciding play is like the ref. It's not the players making some incredible plays. It's the refs inserting themselves into the game unnecessarily. And as people in uh, positions of power often <laughs> do and go on power trips. Um, so it's just, 
I don't know. It's it's deeply unsatisfying, <laughs> and I think that even if you're not an Eagles fan, I, I think a lot of people would agree that we got robbed of a of a chance to go see uh, what. And I'm not saying like, hey, that call doesn't get happen or the call doesn't happen. Chiefs kick the field goal, and the Eagles definitely win. I don't know what happens, but I was sure. I know I sure would have liked to see that because that would be much more interesting than just the season. The whole season being decided on the like the just the the tackiest of ticky tack penalties. Well, we may as well get into it now because you already started, and I disagree with that take. I th- I feel like uh, that was definitively a hold, uh, and they had to call it. He held him. I mean, the 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 playing question is Juju Smith Schuster broke to the inside, uh, planted, and was heading back outside, and I think unquestionably. Bradbury impeded his effort to do that. He and he held him, and it threw off it completely. Threw off the timing of that play. If he doesn't hold him, he's probably beaten for a touchdown on that play. And I feel like if you reverse the situation, like let's say the Eagles are going down for uh, a game-winning touchdown or field goal, and that play doesn't get called, and they kick a field goal, and then the Chiefs get the ball back. And they go down and score a touchdown. Well, now that non-hold call is being held against the referees the other way. Uh, but I felt it was just, I thought it was very clearly a hold. Now, is there a certain um, level of, I guess, um, uh, discretion that officials can use in extremely high leverage situations at the end of games? Yeah, I do. So I, I look back at like the Washington Commanders game, for example when Taylor Heineke sat Mm -hmm. down and Brandon Graham barreled into him, tried to stop, like tried to hold up from and not hit him. And his momentum took him into Heineke and they threw the flag on that and boom, game over. I thought that, I thought that call was nonsense. This one, I really do think that, um, I mean, it was, it was, and, and I, I understand the point too, where they threw a very minimal number of flags throughout the game and to call that well, zero one on the holding maybe they let about a lot too. of other things zero go. on that penalty specifically that kind of penalty like what zero there were zero defensive holdings they weren't right it wasn't I like mean, a, sometimes there's this i just want to i want you to finish your point sorry just to jump in though quickly sometimes i think there are mm-hmm. crews who tend to be more strict yep. about that and they call it throughout the game and it's consistently a penalty just have some consistency with it like either you're calling it or you're kind of just letting them play i feel like that's a real thing that happens mm-hmm yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, even beyond them not calling any defensive holding calls, they barely threw any flags at all throughout the game. There weren't that many. I don't know exactly how many there were, but it was a, it was a low number. Um, and I get it. Like it, it does take away the excitement at the end of that game. Uh, obviously, we don't know what would have happened if uh, the Chiefs got stopped uh, on that drive and the Eagles actually had some time to go down and either match uh, a field goal or touchdown, whatever the Chiefs would have come away with on that drive. Uh, maybe send the game to overtime, maybe win it outright if they go down, score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion. They took, I mean, certainly, no question about it, it took ex- excitement out of the end of that game. And it's a bummer. It sucks that we didn't get to see how that game would have ended otherwise. But he held him. <laughs> he, mm. But he held him, though. So I can't hate the officials for throwing the flag there. And then, of course, after the game, Bradbury even said himself, I held him. And they threw the flag. I prefer that they hadn't. Um, or I, you know, basically kind of like I hoped I would have got, I would have gotten away with it. Um, but that's kind of like what he does. And he's very good at subtle, like those subtle mm-hmm. little holds. 
and he got caught and they threw the flag and uh, he accepted responsibility, accountability uh, for, for that play. And um, you know, the rest is history here because the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, uh, not because of that, but uh, they didn't have a chance to, you know, have some sort of exciting finish. So I get it. Like, I totally understand why it sucks. And it, it and as you mentioned, like we've gone through, you know, all the, the entire off season, all the acquisitions, the draft picks through training camp, stock up, stock down, you know, the, all the, throughout the regular season, uh, watching this team go, you know, uh, 11 and one, ultimately end up 14 and three. Uh, and then, you know, through the, through the playoffs, against the giants, 49ers, and to get to that point, exciting game up to that point, And then boom, in an instant done, <laughs> like the, the chiefs kick a field goal and the Eagles have basically no time to, to uh, eight seconds. I think it was when they got the, yeah, when they got the, the ball back. Over. So I totally get it. It's a bummer. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I totally get both sides, but, uh, at the same time, he, I mean, he did hold them. All right. I don't want to relitigate. All. I mean, I, we just disagree on the, in terms of, I mean, he literally did, but again, I just, I, okay. That was the only time in the game yeah. a play like that happened. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I believe that definitely that adds up. I know I'm going to have the very unpopular opinion, uh, among our listeners too. So <laughs> my apologies to all you in advance. It's just kind of how I see it. I mean, here's a, here's a couple. Anyway. So I thought what we would do in this. Well, I have a couple questions about that. And we can move off of this. Um, Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, Juju didn't even think he, he he didn't seem to think he got held in the moment. Obviously, after the game, he said he did. Sure, but like in the moment, I didn't see him like calling for flags. Like like I didn't see him like reacting. He seemed to think he didn't get held. Really, Is, am I wrong about that? Well, he was still trying to make a play. Well, well after was, I mean, he was still was trying over, to get to the saying. ball in the end zone. I think he I think he might have known the flag was was there. I I because the flag I tried was to watch the that replay quickly, and I see think. if like because sometimes you know. Not that players' reactions always should dictate or always indicate, like, you know, the veracity of a call or not. But sometimes I feel like when a player isn't even mm-hmm. asking for a call, <laughs> then it's like, you know, maybe it wasn't that egregious or that bad, but whatever. It happened. Um, it is what it is. Mahomes reacted to it immediately. Like, Holmes, well, Mahomes sure. pointed at it instantaneously. Well, he saw, I think he saw the flag. Yeah. So he was pointing at that. The flag had already been thrown. No, I think he was pointing like, throw the flag, throw the flag. Well, all right. I don't know. I didn't see you. See, you were in the stadium. That's why I asked. I didn't have the all 22 <laughs> view. I'm just going off of what on the broadcast. But yeah. in any case, it happened. Eagles lost. Is it the only reason they lost? No. But it was a very, regardless, even if you think it is the right call, like you said, it's just a very unfortunate way for the game to end in terms of like, it's just anticlimactic. Sure. It's, it's the best. It's just, there's no intrigue. Im- Im- all intrigue immediately gone. Cool. Like this is. Game is over. Okay, great. Like, and it was it was a great game up to that point, and the the way yeah, um, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts. I think this is probably the next big thing we should on. Jalen Hurts is awesome. He really couldn't have played <laughs> a better game realistically, other than mm-hmm. this is this is part of the thing that frustrates me from a standpoint of like um, being involved in content creation or analyst, whatever you want to say. Is like there's nothing interesting to say about. Like Jalen Hurts fumbling that ball to me, other than like the sequence of events that set that up. But in terms of like, there's no, what's the coaching point mm-hmm. there? Don't accidentally drop the ball in the middle of the field. Like, that's not interesting right, to talk right. about. Like, that's yeah. not, it's not like with Wentz where like he would hold on to the ball too long or, or it's like emblematic of a bigger problem with Jalen Hurts. No, it was just totally bad luck at a really awful time that doesn't really like mean anything in the bigger picture other than it was just an awful mistake at an awful moment. But like it again, it was like just it's, it's fluky in, in that sense of it happened. It counts. But like there's no bigger 
concern I have with Jalen Hurts because he that happened. I mean, that's the uh, the big silver lining from the this experience was that Jalen Hurts, like you said, Jalen Hurts is awesome. Um, I forget what he was, you know, completions versus attempts, but he threw for over 300 yards, uh, one touchdown, no interceptions, had the weird fumble, and you know that that play gave them gave a Chiefs team seven points. They don't need like you don't need to you don't need them to make it easier on them on that team because they they put so many points on the board as is. Um, but yeah, that 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 hurt a lot. And I'm with you. It's not like it's uh, you can look at that and go, well, uh, Jalen Hurts screwed up. I mean, he dropped the ball and it turned and it turned into a touchdown. But he certainly way 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 made up for that. Uh, made a lot of plays with his legs. I forget how many yards he ended up with, he, but it was around 60 or 70. And he like the that. Touchdowns, we we talked about in the over-unders. He went over Steve Young's uh, 64 or whatever it was. Mm. He hit 70 total. I think it was McNair, by the way, Steve McNair. Oh, well, whoever, in any case, but whatever. Um, he broke the <laughs> record. Matter, who cares? <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, and just beyond the numbers, just the way he played and some of the throws that he made in this game were outstanding. Like two throws to the two throws to Dallas Goddard were just excellent. And then, and I want to touch Mm, on this too. I know what you're going to say, but that throw to Quez Watkins was on the freaking money. And he took a hit as he let it go. And two things happened with two, two things happened with Quez Watkins on that play. He didn't run the route. Like he, he didn't run the route full speed all the way through. And then, and he, even, even then he had a chance to make the catch and he just didn't make it. And, you know, I, I, I like, I like the idea of dialing, dialing up deep shots to Quez Watkins. I think the Eagles very, you know, they, they realized after uh, the two games where Quez Watkins was responsible directly for uh, interceptions because he ran lazy mm-hmm. routes. Um, they realized, okay, we can't ask him to, to run any kind of, uh, route that that requires precision or timing, but if we can dial up a deep shot, we can use his speed to to our advantage and maybe hit on a big play. And they did, and they and they hit on the play, like they got the coverage they wanted, and it, the ball was right there to be had for a huge play, and he drops it. And I think he's going to be on the team next year because he's on a rookie contract and he's super cheap. But I don't think he can. You can go into next year with him as your starting slot corner, or as, I'm sorry, your your starting slot receiver. Yeah, he, he, nothing should be given to him. He has to earn any kind of opportunity he has, and you know it's it's a shame for him that he hasn't been able to capitalize on these opportunities. And to your point there, yeah, I'm not criticizing the coaching staff. I don't think anyone should be either. For like, you know, that was one of his two targets. <laughs> it's not that was an unreasonable to target him like mm-hmm. once or twice in the game. Yeah. Um, he has to. It's on him. He has to make that play and. And he knew coming into the season, you know, Nick Sirianni defined everyone's roles. And he said to Quez, you know, like, look, offenses were running through Devontae, Goddard, and A.J. Brown, who are all excellent in this game. You're going to have your chances mm-hmm. sparingly. So, you know, if you're Quez, you're like, I really have to make the most of these because it's not like I'm not going to get these chances. And he never did. And that's really disappointing for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the rare disappointments on the team this year, like a player who underachieved relative to expectations, uh, he definitely stands out. Right. In that regard, a lot of little things like that catch, you can like go back in this game and, and say that was the difference or that was a big deal. Like I talked about uh, prior mm-hmm. to the Jalen Hurts fumble, you know, Isaac Samala false starts on third and one. And all of a sudden now you're in third and six. So, yep. you know, where you have the, probably an easy sneak because the Eagles offensive line and some of those sneaks, by the way, just and, and <laughs> It's mauling the team. Yeah, they weren't even close. Uh, mauling the team. Even <laughs> even when like that play when Chris Jones dove like correctly and and 
like did a great job of diving over the pile to stop Jalen Hurts till he stopped his momentum and didn't matter still got got enough push mm-hmm. to push him by like it's it's incredible with yeah he made a, he made an impact initially and then he just kind of rode the wave yep. backwards so uh, <laughs> just basically unstoppable a lot of little things like that um, I want to get into Sirianni a little bit because uh, you know I I can't say. It was an awful game for him because he definitely played a role in, I think, Hurts playing well and the offense being so good. Um, but at the same time, some mm-hmm. of these game and, he, and you know some of the game management decisions were great. He was aggressive at points that um, resulted in points mm-hmm. going for it on fourth down. Um, he went for it twice on fourth down, but there needed to be more, uh, specifically late in the game too, when the Eagles were at what um, their own fourth and they were at their own 32 so only three yards behind where they were against the 49ers in that the championship game there early in the game where they just went for mm-hmm. their own 35 you're at fourth and three like at this point um you're you're down by, by one point in this game your defense clearly like can't just be trusted to get a stop i know uh it's not a guarantee mm-hmm. you get that but i just feel like what did I say going into the game about like the Michael Myers thing? Like you can't just this guy. The, if you don't, if you don't take it into your own hands to control your own fate here, then you know the the boogeyman, the bad guy, is just going to go out and excel, and they're going to. You're not going to stop him. You're not going to. You can't just rely. Right. You're basically relying on hope at that point, and hope is not a strategy. You have to put it in your own hands, and I think it would be much easier to live with. Um, if you didn't get that first down, but you went for it as opposed to punting the ball, which of course, Aaron Sipos, bad punt. And in one of the rare missteps by, I think, Howie Roseman this offseason, they didn't freaking try to challenge him as a punter. And I know Sipos is coming off injury, whatever, but he didn't have a good year. Yeah. And and Sipos effing stunk at the end of last year. He was like a disgrace. He was horrible. At, like in the end of the 2021 season and in the playoffs, he was a joke. He was pathetic. He was terrible. And the Eagles' approach to that position was to do nothing. Like, okay, great. Like, that's going to solve. Like, I'm not saying bringing in a, a UDFA punter um, necessarily is a great solution, but you could have done something, and you just did nothing. That's not the only reason they lost, but it's just, yeah, they like, did I don't nothing. get it. Like, why Agreed. Why is your approach there do nothing? If if you're going to talk about leaving every stone uh, unturned, then but you, you didn't turn that one over. You were just like, nah, special teams doesn't matter that much. And it kind of did matter a lot in terms of that big punt return setting up, you know, an easy Chiefs touchdown. Yeah, on g- going back to your um, initial point there about going forward on, I, I think the stadium said fourth and two. Maybe it said fourth and three on the on on TV. I don't know, on but the game uh, log, it's fourth and three. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd have gone for it there, and for all the reasons that you stated, I'm not going to go for that against you know, a team like the 49ers where you think you can get a stop if you put it away. But as you mentioned, like they, they were really struggling stopping, you know, this chief's offense. And uh, yeah, I, I think that when you have the offense that you have and the way the offense was moving the ball all throughout the day, then you take a chance there. And uh, that was the one misstep that I think that, uh, that Nick Sirianni, and I think the difference by the way, between that and going forward in their own end, like they did against the 49ers is it was a fourth and one. So they're going to, they're going to run their QB sure. sneak, very confident that they're going to get that, of course. Whereas this, in this case, they're running a different kind of play. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that that they have to make that 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 they should have, um, you know, been a little bit more aggressive there. And then on that punt, man, 
the punt was it, it's it looked pretty clear to me that the punt was supposed to go to the left side. He was supposed to kick it to the left, and he just shanked it. And if like if he were like kicking that, uh, let's say he let's say he was trying to kick that to the right. The way he hit that, it would have gone out of balance and been like, you know, a 10, 15 yard punt. <laughs> but like, cause he was trying to punt it to the left and it went so far to the right and it was a low line drive and Tony caught it. You can see like after the, like the gunners, the, the, whoever the gunner was on the right side, I don't remember who it was. He ran directly to the middle of the field and was running like to, to go down to cover a punt that he was expecting to go to the left side. And then when it went to the right side, Everyone, you know, everyone running down there after on the line was sort of, you know, out of sync in terms of uh, the way they like to, you know, corral uh, punt returners. They they all kind of have assignments of where they're supposed to be when they run down the field. And that's all thrown off when the punt goes to a different area of the field than it's supposed to. And then when they're all trying to, you know, run across the field to track freaking Kadarius Tony. All he has to do is make one guy miss, and then he's off to the races. Zach Pascal misses a tackle in that situation. I don't know if he missed a tackle so much, but he whiffed, he dove at him. Didn't I don't even know if he got a, a hand on him at all. Uh, but Tony made a miss, and then they just had a, a convoy uh, back back down the other side on the right sideline uh, inside the five yard line, and and of course they scored the easy touchdown thereafter. I feel like all throughout the season, the early part of the season, there was a sentiment by by you know you and me. That at some point, a big special teams mistake was really going to bite them in the ass and cost them a game. And as the, as the, as the year kind of went on and on, they cleaned it up to some degree. Like they, those special teams mistakes kind of went away. Uh, but then, <laughs> I mean, it came back in a huge way in the, the biggest stage, uh, possible. And I don't know. I don't want to say that, you know, that cost them the game, but it was certainly a major gift. Uh, that they gave t- uh, to the Chiefs, m- making him not have to earn it necessarily on offense, like like they had been, you know, all throughout the second half. Anyway, yeah, I was listening to Birds with Friends, and you know, Bo Wolf, Bo Wolf was trying to downplay the importance of that punt return because he just figured like the offense would have inevitably got the Chiefs' offense would have ev- inev- inevitably got. They might, they may have, and that's yeah. I get that point, but also, I mean, like you still want to see it. <laughs> like you'd still rather them see the like the offense yeah. make me yeah, make make yeah, make them earn. You know, there can yeah. be a fluke like. You know, Mahomes can throw a perfect pass to Kelsey that just happens to bounce off of his hands and into the hands of CJ DJ for like a big six. You yeah, know, you don't know, or there could be a holding penalty that sets the Chiefs back, and you know, maybe they have they get it's, it's is that the most Jalen Hurts dropped exactly. the ball That's what they mean. without anyone so, touching yeah, him. Like, that can happen. Like, it means nothing. Like, <laughs> I, I do agree that it's not like everything, but <laughs> it's not it's not nothing as well. Um, the, the other thing on Sirianni though that I wanted to hit on before we take a break is that I also think he you know. Like I felt in the moment, probably should have went for it on the fourth and six uh, when they settled for a field goal. Because what does going up six against the Chiefs really mean? Like, what does that really mean? Mm. What's what? You're not up by right. a touchdown. Like, like right. if if that put you up two scores, then maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. I still think you have to go for it because I still think you again. This is not just revisionist or hindsight analysis here. I said before the game, you have to go balls to the wall, and to go up six just doesn't really mean much. So. Uh, and also, by the way, on that fourth and six, I really thought it should have been like fourth and three or fourth and two. If Kenneth Gainwell doesn't like inexplicably stop after he catches the ball, like if he just like let, maybe this is easier for me to say as someone watching from the sideline and a Monday m- morning quarterbacking too much, but it felt like to me in the moment that most players in that situation, uh, as he kind of gets that dump off pass from Jalen Hurts, kind of like they let their forward momentum carry them. 
And like, if he just kept running, he probably could have gotten to fourth and two. And it seemed like he kind of got caught up thinking, I need to get the first down here and stopped and was like, he stopped his momentum and then was like trying to take on the chief's defense and like juke tackles. It's like, no, just like finish your play again. You got to fourth and two or fourth and three or whatever. And now you set up a fourth and manageable as opposed to fourth and six. So I also thought that was kind of an underrated moment. Um, it just seemed unnatural to me. It seems like most players would have yeah. just kept running. A lot, a lot of little moments like that. Sure. For yeah. sure. And I'm not saying to say again, like he's the reason. A lot of little moments yeah. like that. A lot of things like that. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was also, um, big. but on the, on the point, like uh, on the point, like where to Bo's point, like the, he, his feeling was that like, like you said, his feeling was that they were just going to go down and score anyway. They had four possessions in the second half. First possession, 10 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Second possession, nine plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Third possession was after the punt return. Three plays, five yards, touchdown. And then the final drive, which in my opinion was the most impressive because they got the ball back with a little bit over five minutes. And they had a very Eagles-like drive where like the, we've seen the Eagles over and over again with this elite offensive line just kind of bleed, just slowly pick up first down, first down, first down, bleed the hell out of the clock, get that run game going. And, uh, and, and basically just kick the field. Well, in, in, in the Eagles case, usually they're, they're, they get to the point where they just kneel down at, at some point. But in this case, the Chiefs bled it all the way down to where all they needed was the field goal to, to end the game. And that, that drive was awesome by them, uh, you know, kind of tip your cap to them. But the other thing, so I mentioned before, like the sort of, uh, problems from earlier in the season reemerging, like with the special teams play. Their run defense sunk in this game too. So the Chiefs ran what, like twenty six times? I think it was for one hundred and fifty eight. They, I know it was whatever it was. It was over six yards per carry. I think it was six point one yards per carry. Uh, Pacheco ran hard. Uh, uh, I don't know how much McKinnon got the ball, but he made some plays uh, in this game. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes made a bunch of plays with his legs. That scramble that he had uh, on that final drive was just a backbreaker. And um, it and to piggyback off that point, by the way. I think the biggest disappointment of this game was uh, the Eagles well, defensive line and their pass rush because go ahead. Well, I want to get into that, but let's take a break first. Let's, let's take a break because I want to get into that okay. again and everything. <laughs> but I feel like if we start a whole new topic here, we'll be going for a while. So we'll take a break. Jimmy, right to <laughs> right. selling craft jerky, right to selling.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Um, also, wildrangerpet.com, same discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order of dog treats. So you can get treats for yourself at righteousselling.com and then treats for your dog at wildrangerpet.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. We will be back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Back here on BGN Radio, where I cut off Jimmy because, you know, this is how podcasting works. You got to take breaks. You got to, you know, you got to keep the lights on here. But... <laughs> got to make that money. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I hate, I hate talking about this because it's dumb and shouldn't be a factor, but like, I can't, I, I really truly believe like to my core that these, 
this awful field, which there's no good reason for the biggest, most important critical game of the season <laughs> to have such awful, yeah. like yeah. apparently awful playing conditions where dudes are just slipping and sliding all over the place out there. And I know both teams had to deal with that. But you can't tell me that it is impossible that the Eagles pass rush, which was disproportionately better than the Chiefs pass rush, may have suffered more from those conditions. I mean, you're talking about a pass Mm -hmm. rush that had favorable matchups, especially on the outside. We specifically talked about the edge rushers and who was it. Most often, just like you could, you could just watch it. Go back and watch these pass rushes, and like credit to Mahomes for getting out the ball out fast. He definitely did that, and I think credit to the mm-hmm. Chiefs' offensive line for playing better than expected to some extent. Yes, I think those things can also be true, but like I and, and the scheme. But there's no shortage of reps where I saw Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick and maybe almost have like a bead on Mahomes and just fall down. Like that's just like it's garbage. Like I, and maybe mm-hmm. you know the Eagles' equipment. Staff deserves some amount of blame. I don't know. But, I mean, that's you can't tell me that a pass rush that was historically great, historically great pass rush, averaging 4.1 sacks per game, NFL lead, like them having zero sacks in this game, like that's just I, – I, I find that hard to believe that is 100% to the Chiefs' credit and 100% to the Eagles' fault. Um, I, I don't fully buy that. I feel it's horrible. I mean, that's, there's just no two ways around it. Um you know, the players in the locker room do they, and to be clear, like they weren't putting any blame for the loss uh, on the field. They were to a man. They were all like, well, the, you know, they played on the same field that we did. Uh, but Jordan, Mailata even said like Eagles and chiefs players during TV timeouts were talking to mm-hmm. each other about how bad the That's field so was. Like both teams were very unhappy it's with the, the field. Super Bowl. <laughs> like, just to kind of, just to kind of picture that, like the you know these two teams going up against each other in the Super Bowl, they're talking to each other during the timeouts, like, "Hey, this field really sucks, huh?" Yeah, <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> so I don't know. I just find that kind of funny that they were talking to each other about how bad the field was uh, during the game. And what's really pathetic about it is that they took two years to grow this grass specifically for this game, and there was like a cost like up of up around a million dollars. I want to say it was like eight hundred thousand dollars. To manicure this this uh, this this grass for however many however long they did it, and uh, yeah, just just kind of a um, an embarrassing situation in my opinion for anyone involved in that, the NFL included. Reddick said Hassan Reddick, I believe, said it was like the worst field he's ever played on. It's just even if it didn't impact the result of the game, who wins or who loses, whatever. Even if I'm wrong about the pass rush thing, it's just like it's inexcusable and it's hard. It's hard, especially if you're on that losing side, to feel like. This is acceptable. Or like this is this happened. It just makes it's it makes the feeling of like frustration and dissatisfaction even worse because it's like why was there a good reason for this to happen? It's just it was really pathetic. Um, and uh, what, let's get into I guess yeah the gain of it all and how much blame I think there's you know question how much he deserves. Look, uh, I said it in multiple like exchanges I did with Arrowhead Pride last week in terms of Gannon was a big concern. And I think we said that here in terms of the quarterbacks he's gone against this year. And there were a lot of ones who mm-hmm. were not so great. And the ones who were really good didn't really have good days against them. And it's not like he should have realistically been expected mm-hmm. to totally shut Mahomes down. But I think at the end of the day, when you're the defensive coordinator and your defense got zero sacks and zero takeaways, 
and the two of the Chiefs touchdowns came when players were just wide the F open, then I think that's not really an A plus yeah. game from you, bud. I think that's <laughs> kind of a below average game, I would say. Yeah, I don't want to be the uh the he didn't talk to the media after the game guy, but he didn't talk after the game, <laughs> which I feel like is uh, you know, a sort of a lack of accountability, whereas a lot of players showed a lot of accountability for for what happened in this game. I feel like he did not. Um, and when you look at, like like you mentioned, those those wide open touch, I think it was the Sky Moore touchdown where he went in motion and then they snap it and they cut right back out to the outside. The exact same play, Eric Bieniemy, the the Chiefs offensive coordinator, noted that they got that play uh, from the Eagles' loss to I'm sorry, the Eagles' win. Uh, over the Jacksonville yep. Jaguars ba- way back in, what was it, week three or week whatever? Four, I think. Week two, I don't remember. Um, week four, whatever. Uh, the, the Chiefs ran, or the Jaguars basically ran the exact same play. And it was wide open. And it was not because it was a busted coverage or anything like that. It was just the way that the Eagles defense operates in, in the red zone. They can't cover that guy because uh, they have a safety. What I, I won't Seems like a flaw. Of it, but they, like... It's just it was just a, a very obvious uh uh flaw in in that defense to the Chiefs anyway. Um I don't think any you know any of us were saying they got to watch out mm-hmm. for that play in this game. Uh but, but certainly uh the, the Chiefs identified uh, a flaw in Gannon's red zone defense and they and they took advantage of it. So um yeah, I I think when I mean Patrick Mahomes is getting the lion's share of the credit for this Chiefs Super mm-hmm. Bowl win. And it's certainly deserved. Like he played his ass off and he was great. He made plays that, you know, a lot of other quarterbacks cannot make. Um, and so totally deservedly so. But man, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and the, the chief staff, they schemed the shit out of this game and they completely outclassed uh, Jonathan Gannon and the rest of the Eagles defense. Yeah. And, you know, look, that's a formidable opponent that Gannon is going up against, but. If we're going to have these mm-hmm. people like praising Gannon and being like, oh, he's great, you know, and hey, the Arizona Cardinals might hire him as their new head coach. He's getting interviewed there. And also, you know, we're, seems like Shane Steichen is going to finalize a deal with the Colts to become their head coach. So, um, as a bigger point, yep. that kind of underscores why it was so important for the Eagles to win because it's not to say that they're screwed moving forward, but there's going to be a lot of change. So you can't, it's not, you're just like keeping everything in place. And even if you are, that doesn't also guarantee anything because the NFL is just very much a year-to-year league in a lot of ways. And there are certainly things to point to in terms of mm-hmm. optimism when it comes to, like you talked about, Hertz and how he's going to be around for a long time. Um, but And and uh, some of the replacement plans of defense, like you have N'Kobe Dean waiting in the wings. Maybe Jordan Davis takes a step forward. Um, you know, you're not hopeless by any means. And the NFC still doesn't like look great on paper. Um, but... Mm-hmm. When are you going to get to the Super Bowl again with all 22 of your starters healthy? <laughs> Is that really like some things like that? You just need that good luck sometimes. Um, and you just can't bank on it. So it's a, it's a huge wasted opportunity uh, on a whole, which more than one thing can be true. It's also could be uh, um, the beginning of a bright future under Jalen Hurts and under Nick Sirianni. That's also could be true. Um, so when it comes to Gannon specifically, though, it's just, man, so good friend. Uh, of the pod, I will say, uh, Deniz Selman, he tweeted this and I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's so hard not to think about Jim Schwartz telling Doug Peterson he was going to be aggressive. So he'd either win fast or lose fast. So the offense gets a chance either way. 
Jonathan Gannon's mm-hmm. time score awareness has been a weakness for two years. I agree. And I don't, do you remember that clip of Schwartz saying that to Doug, like in on all those mic'd up? Absolutely. Yeah, he's, yep. he, yep. he, he literally. Yeah. Right before the Brandon yep. Graham. Well, he said, like, either I'm going to get you the ball back or like, or I'm, I'm going to get you the ball. He basically said, I'm going to get you the ball back in one of two ways. Or they'll score and we'll give you a chance yeah. to win the game. And Gannon's yeah. like, nope, just, you know, you just bleed out the clock on us and then we don't get a shot. That's fine. <laughs> Like, like <laughs> right. I just, I don't know. There's something philosophically yeah. like wrong about that to me. And it's, it's in a frustrating way because it's like, oh, Gannon's so smart and everything. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time. I have a hard time loving that. And, you know, look, he had a good year overall in terms of results and everything, but the goal is to win championships and to win a championship, you're going to have to play a really good quarterback at some point and beat him. And Gannon doesn't really do that. So that's kind of a big like issue at the end of the day like where, okay, we can acknowledge all these good things, but this one fatal flaw is a very critical fatal flaw. Um, and I don't know. I don't know that there's like, you know, some amazing. I like that Schwartz analogy. What? Yeah, I really like that, that, that Schwartz analogy because Schwartz, I mean, let's be honest, he got his ass handed to him, sure. to him in that game scheme-wise too by – uh, by the by Tom Brady and the Patriots, but at least he had the recognition to know. Oh, they're kicking yeah. my ass right now. Let me let me go try to make a play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas I don't think that same awareness existed with Gannon. No, and to, you know, again to Schwartz's credit, they got the takeaway, the takeaway that mattered most. That's I'm not. I wasn't asking. No one was realistically asking for Gannon to shut down Mahomes and you know, <laughs> you know totally just lock him up. No, mm-hmm. it's like Gannon, you need to be. You need to make. You need to have this defense at least make one play. And you, again, zero sacks, mm-hmm. zero interceptions. It's not good enough. Like it's, it's that's a, that's not a failure. At some level, it's a failure. Yeah, they didn't even come close to no. making a big play. Honestly, and yeah, they, they didn't really come close to to, to making a big play in that all game. Right. Um, anything else that you want to talk about in the defense? I guess or whatever. We're batting it back and forth. Yeah, I mean, I think we. So you mentioned the, the 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 field conditions, and we mentioned the scheme. But I do think there is something to, um, you know, the defensive line maybe not playing as well as as you know uh, many expected them to. I mean, that was a matchup that the Eagles had to win uh, in this game, and they just didn't. They just didn't win that matchup, and they did get some pressure when the when the Chiefs got into those uh, long downs and distances. But those are few and far between. <laughs> in fact, like I kind of feel like the Chiefs played this game in a similar way, particularly in the second half, in a similar way to the way like Washington beat them hmm. and the Houston Texans stayed in the game for a long time against the Eagles, where they really relied heavily uh, on their rushing attack, you know, get solid yardage on first and second down. Even like even in the like short passing game, they're they're getting these little dump downs for like four, five, six, seven, eight yards on these early downs and they, you know, left themselves with short third downs to convert. And they were just kind of methodically moving the ball down the field uh, against the Eagles on those kinds of drives, except the difference between the chiefs and teams like, you know, Washington or Houston are that the chiefs have Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Amy Reed and Washington has Taylor Heineke and Ron Rivera and Houston has, Davis Mills and Lovey Smith. So like the you take like, you know, basically the premier offense in the NFL and they're able to execute that style of play, you know, better than any other team in the league uh because they have the the scheming genius in uh Andy Reid and the guy that can pull it off in in Patrick Mahomes and the guys that can pull it off rather in Patrick Mahomes 
and uh, and Travis Kelsey, and even you know to, to a lesser degree, guys like McKinnon and Juju and all those guys. So um, I think that was a, a the Chiefs game plan. I think revolved around making sure that the Eagles' defensive line did not wreck the game, and they did that very successfully. And uh, but at the same time, like I mentioned, they they did get pressure in those long downs and distances. But it can't just be all about that. You still got to make plays when you know you're not in those favorable situations, and they just simply Especially didn't. When do you're it. inviting the run, like in theory, at times, like this is that's part of Gannon's strategy. Not to say like mm-hmm. he wants to get run all over, but there's some of that. There is some of there is some analytical allowance of like, hey, we are okay with the run here because it's not going to be we're okay with a six yard run because it means it's not going to be a, a Patrick Mahomes forty yard touchdown pass. Like there is some of that going on, um, which is again a stylistic philosophical mm-hmm. thing going on. Um, uh, I wanted to flip in, into some other points I had, if you're cool with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'd be funny if you said no. It's like, all right, now I just can't talk anymore. All right. No, let's um, end the podcast right now. Goodbye. <laughs> Miles Sanders. Like what? This was like a all time, like showing up small kind of game. We thought he could have had a big game and it, it was from the jump. Yeah. He fumbled on the freaking first play. Uh, it went out of bounds, but it seems like he yeah. kind of bounced that play. And as a whole, the Eagles runners weren't great. Like Kenny G had seven for 21, only 3.0 average. Uh, Boston Scott was three for eight, 2.7. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the running backs were crushing it and he was uh, the only one. But I mean, dude, like, you know, you're supposed to be the guy and you're about to be a free agent this offseason. Yeah, and man. it's not like this one game should determine what the Eagles should do with Miles Sanders this offseason. How the hell do you bring him back after a game like that in the freaking Super Bowl? Like you can't sign him to some kind of big money deal. Not that I ever <laughs> thought the deals were, but right. I mean, that's just like a, he had seven for sixteen. He just didn't. He didn't even look right uh, again from the jump. Just really uninspired showing. And uh, well, I wanted to bring up Devontae because here's an officiating gripe that I think you know maybe it was worse than the Bradbury thing in terms of. Like I thought that Devontae Smith catch along the sideline that was overturned. I just I I totally disagree that you can say with a hundred percent certainty it was not a catch. I think you can say ninety-eight, ninety-seven, mm-hmm. whatever. That's not the rule. It says a hundred percent. You have to say without the shadow of a doubt. And I just don't it's debatable. I think it's absolutely debatable. And then, and I would say, to be fair, if it was ruled incomplete, I would feel the same way. I would say there's no way you can tell me that's definitely a hundred percent a catch. I felt like right. whatever the ruling was in that situation, similar to the Goddard ruling that got challenged by Andy and unsuccessfully. So I thought that was the same principle there. It's like, you didn't have a hundred percent conclusive evidence that that was not a catch. I don't think you can say it wasn't. I think you can say it. It probably wasn't, but I don't think you can say it definitely wasn't. And that was a big play because the Eagles would have had first in first down at the 13 yard line about, uh, with just under a minute left in the first half, and maybe they get seven there instead of three at the end of the first half, and that would be a really yeah. big deal. So I think right. that's the kind of going under discussed coming out of this game because everyone's going to remember the Bradbury thing. But I thought them overturning that was insane. Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, and it's, so I actually feel like that's how they should. The NFL should officiate reviews. Forget like what the call was on the field. Just say what what was more likely to have happened on that play. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this, you're getting don't into just go by it's a preference thing, but I'm saying, yeah, like the way they have defined it. You're you're saying it should be yeah, redefined. Yeah, yeah. Right. But the way they have defined right. it. Right, but but that's not how it is. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. Like Adam Adam Carolla, 
used to have this like his his analogy was it was like the gimp from Pulp Fiction. Like they should ha- they they sh- the NFL should do reviews like uh, as if like the, the gimp review. So they in Pulp Fiction they kept the gimp in mm-hmm. a box and then they open the box and the gimp comes out. And they should have like a gimp that sort of doesn't know what happened on the field. They're like, okay, call in the gimp. And the gimp gets out. He has no idea what happened. And he looks at the review and he says what he thinks should be the call mm-hmm. on the field, uh, regardless of what the call on the field right. already was. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so maybe if the gimp made that call, yeah, maybe he goes, okay, no right. catch for Devontae. But I'm with you. I think that, th- that they, that, there was not enough to show that it definitively was yeah. not a catch and it should have standed in my opinion. It should have stood. I, yeah. it's, it's perplexing. And again, I don't think enough is being made of that. We should probably focus more on that than the Radbury thing. If, if we're going to be honest here, but um, a big, another big thing that you know, ended up being a really big factor uh, in this game. And it's a shame. Savante had an awesome game, even with not that catch. He caught seven of his nine targets for a hundred yards 14.3 average. Um, he had that mm-hmm. long touchdown play where I was like, dude, why did you go out of bounds? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird that he got out of bounds on that play um, before, right before Jalen Hurts had the touchdown to tie the game. And what a drive, by the way. I mean, we touched on Hurts earlier, but just, man, could not be more impressed with him. Like, that was, that was such a huge moment to go down eight points in that spot. And it feels like, oh, no, like you're probably going to lose. The game is slipping away. And you come back right down. And he becomes the first player, if I'm not mistaken, in NFL history to get the octopus, Jimmy, which is the the touchdown. Uh, you, the player who scores the touchdown themselves and then also scores the extra mm-hmm. point or the two-point conversion. Oh, so he, he okay, produced eight, directly yeah. all, all right. eight points there, which is <laughs> like a, a long shot thing you could bet on. Yeah. Um, and he did it. Uh, and, I mean, he was great. A.J. Brown mm-hmm. was great. He had caught six of his uh, eight targets for 96 and the touchdown. I mean, Goddard, normally efficient, mm-hmm. six. Uh, Got it made two, two really good catches. catches. On the yeah. and, and crazy efficient, like he has been all season. Six receptions on seven targets for 60 yards. It's quietly very great and efficient. Um, it's just kind of crazy. Like you look at some of these performances and it's like, how did they lose the game? <laughs> it, it's obviously a fine line. And it's it's a yeah. three point game in the end, and that's kind of how it goes. You know, it could have been a seven point game if the Chiefs actually really wanted to score a touchdown, obviously, um, <clears throat> but they did not. So uh, I don't know. It's it's just it's tough to stomach again because um, it was such a uh, great season in a lot of ways. It is this is the best Eagle season. There's a very good chance that um, it's the best Eagles season of your lifetime in terms of like how great they were, how talented they were, how historic some of the accomplishments they did were, um, most wins in franchise history. Uh, You might never see a season like this again. And it's just kind of very hard to reconcile that with, it didn't end in the way that it should have to match that with the Super Bowl championship to commemorate that. It's just kind of now this extremely weird thing where it was like, yeah, that was the best Eagles team of our lifetimes, but they actually didn't win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a chance we, like, in 20 years, we look back at this era of Chiefs football and just realize that, you know, Pat, there may be a time where Patrick Mahomes is thought of as the as the best player of all time and not Tom Brady. So, like, there's maybe not, uh, maybe it's maybe not the the worst thing to have lost to this particular team. 
and that particular player um, in time. It certainly does not feel great, I'm sure, for Eagles fans right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, they they went against like unquestionably a worthy and extremely difficult opponent, and they and Jalen Hurts went toe to toe with that guy for four quarters. And it almost kind of felt like whoever had the ball last in this game was going to win. And that's a credit to the way that Jalen Hurts played in this game and the kind of season that he had where he basically, I mean, there's a, there, that, that fumble aside, there's an argument to be made that he actually like outdueled right. Patrick Mahomes in this game, which is kind of crazy to think. Yeah. Unexpected. Um, and even going into the game, you know, I don't think many people, I don't think anyone was going to say that was going to happen. And that wasn't even a slight to Hurts. It's just as much as a right. admit it is to Mahomes. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had a, uh, in some sports, I think like hockey, it doesn't happen in the NFL, but in some sports they hand out like, you know, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ron Hextall, yeah, the, the stars, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. The, like the stars no, Ron the Hextall, game. if I'm not mistaken, won like the Stanley Cup uh, finals MVP, even though he was on like the losing side of a series. Yeah. He was but, so freaking good that even though like the Flyers lost, like it wasn't like, he was just amazing. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. They lost. Like, he was so incredible. Uh, that happened pretty recently too. another goalie. Oh, another yeah. goalie won that as well. Oh, pretty I didn't recently, even know that. I think like last 10 years, maybe something like that. Yeah. On the losing side, too. Yes, like, and he went out and he got his trophy. He was all oh, yeah, pissed it's off. Stupid! It's dumb. <laughs> he skated out and, it, like, very begrudgingly took took this trophy uh, off but the if ice. They with did him. that in in the NFL. <laughs> like, Dan Hurts could have been the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> like, he could have won that award, even though his team didn't yeah. win. So, uh, it's crazy, and um, I don't know. It's, it's just it's just a weird thing to to reconcile once again. Um, why don't we take another break here, Jimmy? Before we kind of wrap up, uh, why don't you tell me about Christian Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. If you are looking to buy or sell your home, call Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Real quick, by the way, 2003 it was, so 20 years ago. Uh, uh, Jean-Sebastian Giguere mm. of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks won the... Uh, is it the Con Smythe? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, Con Smythe trophy. Um, and you know, skated out, all pissed off. <laughs> Took away them anyway. Brandon, back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. Back here on BGN Radio, we're wrapping things up. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Shane Steichen to the Colts, apparently happening. So the Eagles are losing their offensive coordinator. Looks like they might lose their defensive mm -hmm. coordinator. We'll still see on who the Cardinals want to hire. I saw something about Lou Anarumo still very much being in the mix there, so we'll see on that one. Like what are you playing there? What was that? Oh. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it was a How commercial. about I wrap this up for you, Jimmy, by telling you that if – well, regardless of the Eagles losing two coordinators, um, which is the only unsettled un over-under from our game before the season that we played, you and I, all the way back in the offseason – 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I went 22 and five. I did pretty good. Uh, you went 15 and 12. You finished last and the community finished between us at 18 and nine. Now I get plus <laughs> one if both Eagles coordinators are hired because I took uh, the over on that at 1.5 uh, and you and the community took lower, but whatever. It doesn't, oh, doesn't impact okay. the standings. It's just, you know, for the actual scorekeeping. But when it came to the Super Bowl over-unders that we played with the listeners, um, I did terrible. <laughs> Eight, 11 and one. You finished above me at opposite or the flip side of that at 11, uh, eight and one. And then the community cleaned up at 14, five and one. Mm-hmm. So credit to the community for winning the super really one. Yeah. Um, there you go. There's some, there's some game record keeping score. If you, if you care about that at all. Uh, so what's next for this team, Jimmy, I guess, how do we spin it forward? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the coordinator, so they're going to lose uh, those two guys more than likely. And who becomes their new coordinators? Do they just promote from within? Uh, I think there's viable candidates, certainly on offense. Like Brian Johnson, I think it's going to be fine as an offensive coordinator. But then they have to find a new quarterbacks coach mm-hmm. uh, to va- to fill the vacated spot by Johnson. And then on defense, there's Denard Wilson, who I think is a uh, more than capable uh, defensive coordinator as well, but now you're also looking for a defensive backs coach. So like, you know, they're going to have some, uh, I, I imagine they're still going to interview people from the outside, even if we uh, sort of, you know, handicap uh, Brian Johnson and Denard Wilson as the favorites. They're probably still going to look at people from the outside just, you know, to, for due diligence purposes. And they're going to have to do a search for these, you know, other uh, assistant coach positions. Cause th- this past year, it was the first time in a really long time where, they didn't make any changes yeah, at all. None, literally zero. They, they basically kept their entire staff together because it was, and, and I kind of felt that that was a a, a, a pretty decent advantage uh, heading into this season. And they won't have that in, in uh, 2023. And then of course they just have a ton of free agents that a lot of whom are good players and they're going to be playing for different teams in 2023. I think that's probably worth its own podcast yeah. episode. So we should probably save that for another time. But uh, the reality is they're, they're going to lose a number of these guys. And I think for many of the positions where they're going to lose guys, they actually have uh, a reasonable, um, I guess, sort of a succession uh, plan mm. in place where, you know, they lose, I don't know, Isaac Sayamalo, for example, reasonable enough uh, belief that, you know, a guy like Cam Jurgens. Uh, can learn how to play right guard and fill right in with the way that he played in the preseason or Jack Driscoll can play well enough. Um, and then, you know, the other positions as well, like Nicobe Dean, you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, if they lose Kaiser White, yep. for example, is Nicobe Dean going to be any worse than Kaiser White? Probably not. So <laughs> I think they'll, they'll be fine at a number of the, uh, fine at a number of these positions. I'd say the one guy that I am least confident they'll bring back or they'll be able to bring back is James Bradbury. Yeah. I think he's, almost certainly going to be with uh, another team in 2023 for a few reasons. One being they already have so much money wrapped up in uh, Darius Slay. I think there are a number of cornerbacks that the Eagles have actually tried to draft cornerbacks in each of the last two years. I think they were, I think they would have taken either Patrick Sertan or, um, oh man, the kid from South Carolina that got drafted by the Panthers. JC Horn. I think they would have taken either of those two guys. Uh, instead of Devontae Smith, if either of those guys had been available, but it didn't work out that way. I think this year they would have been happy to take uh, Sauce mm-hmm. Gardner, uh, which would have been great for them, or um, uh, the kid, the Texas uh, Stingley, Derek Stingley from LSU. 
Uh, didn't work. Those guys went three and four overall. So obviously that was off the table very quickly. And then, you know, the, each of the last few years, they kind of played the after draft market, which resulted in Steven Nelson, who was a perfectly cromulent cornerback in 2021. And then they land James Bradbury, who was awesome in 2022. Uh, so that, you know, strategy has worked for them the last couple of years if they do happen to whiff in the draft. But I think in the draft, there are three guys that are going to be available uh, at 10. I think they probably will make a little move back and still be able to get one of those guys anyway. Uh, those guys, by the way, are uh, Joey Porter, Penn State, Devin Witherspoon, Illinois, and Christian Gonzalez, uh, Oregon. So um, I do think that that position will be a draft. But anyway, I'm kind of getting way off track here. Point is, <laughs> the Eagles are going to have a very interesting offseason. And if you remember last time, after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they had a good draft in 2018. But everything that Howie Roseman did <laughs> otherwise yeah. in 2018, 2019, uh, you know, the, the, he, they – they very quickly went from looking like a potential mm-hmm. juggernaut to four eleven and one. So I think lessons were probably learned that. Le- and then of course Howie, you know, had an amazing, uh, you know, part parts of twenty twenty uh, and and was and was lights out in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two in terms of his off season moves. Um, but yeah, I mean, he did have that stretch where a <laughs> team very quickly went from a Super Bowl winner to, you know, the last in their own division. Uh, so I think the, the lessons that, that were learned from that offseason have to be applied, uh, this time around. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they're able to keep this group together. But I do think getting back to one of the main points of this podcast mm-hmm. episode, uh, I can believe right. in Jalen Hurts and with the kind of player that he's going to be just because of his work ethic and his leadership skills and how, you know, all of his teammates speak glowingly about him. I have no concerns about him from that perspective. And I think on many levels, it's as important as talent when you're the leader, when you're the ultimate leader uh, of the team. And certainly he showed this year that he has plenty of talent. So I think the the organization is in good hands uh, from the quarterback position. They have their guy. And when you have that in place, sometimes that's you, know, you just kind of have to have a decent roster around them and you can be a Super Bowl contender for the foreseeable future. So I think that's what they'll be. They might take a little hit this year. They're not going to be have, to have as strong a roster in 2023 as they did in 2022. But I think that, you know, the fans can still feel very good about this direction of the franchise under Jalen Hurts. And Nick I talked about the Jalen Hurts response drive after the Eagles went down eight points. I mean, there was also the response after the fumble, which you talked about, like right after it. You know, you saw him going up to his teammates on the sideline mm-hmm. like, hey, I messed up. That's on me, but we're good. Like, we're okay. Don't worry. Don't need to panic. Yep. We're going to play our game. We're going to go out, and we're going to be fine. And they were. Um, and I, I definitely think that resonates where I know, like, sorry to compare it to Carson Wentz every time, but that's the most recent example where if, if that happens with him in that moment, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like it might snowball to me. and I have less faith that things will stay on track the way it would <laughs> under Jalen Hurts. And to your point, I'm not really worried about Jalen Hurts turning into like this gigantic loser also slash like not coming off this massive, you know, knee reconstruction that Carson Wentz underwent. So those are definitely points exactly. in favor. But yeah. uh, working against the Eagles is that they're going to probably have to pay Jalen Hurts this offseason. They don't, they don't literally have to in the terms mm-hmm. of he's under contract for 2023. But you're obviously not going to go into a lame duck year with your starting quarterback. Because if you do that, you run the risk of being in this spot where you're, 
you know, having to tag him and having to pay him even more than than you might have to, you know, uh, pay if you would just get it done at this point anyway. And also potentially souring a relationship, kind of like what's seemingly kind of gone on with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, for example. So I just, and it's just, let's be real. It's just mm-hmm. not how the Eagles operate. They're not going to let Jalen Hurts go into a contract year. It's not how they, it's not what they do. They don't do that with their players. For better or for worse, I think for often it is for better. Yeah. It's just not how they operate. So I don't know how like, we're going to talk about that as if that's like a real thing when we know that's not what they're going to do. Um, yeah. So I on, think on a, on a side note on that, it, Howie Roseman even said, he even said like they purposely didn't do any contract extensions in season this year, which kind of goes against their normal uh, mm-hmm. MO. Like, you know, the year before we saw them sign Josh Sweat, Jordan Mailata, Avante Maddox, Dallas Goddard, all in season. This year they purposely didn't do it. And I think it's because they knew they had to pay. Well, at, cer- at a certain point during the season, they knew Jalen Hurts was going to be the guy and they're going to have to pay him. So they have to pay him first and then see how that contract is structured. And then they kind of kind of work around that with all the sort of supporting players thereafter. But, and I, I'm sure they've already talked to a lot of their players about, you know, what their contract extensions will look like. And they, they may, for all we know, they may already have sort of, you know, loose agreements in place with some of those guys. But the first domino is Jalen Hurts has. And I think, by the way, I think it gets done pretty quickly because they want to formulate their plan thereafter. Yeah, I also think part of the delay was that you can't really pay certain people. And then other guys are like looking over their shoulder like, hey, well, why didn't I get paid? You know, I don't think you can do that in season. I think that's yeah. kind of like a weird, like, especially with guys at free agents at the same positions. Like that's that matters a lot. Like how are you going to give TJ Edwards a contract extension, for example? And Kaiser White's like over here, like, okay, well, what about me? And same thing with CJ, GJ, and Epps. Like I just don't think <laughs> that's true too. It's yeah. uh-huh. hard to do that. You just I just don't think that's a decision you should make in season at that point because you, it's just not you're you're you're, mm-hmm. you're messing with the vibes too much or you're risking that. And it's just like you don't need to do that. You can just wait to the off season. You can push that off. So I think yeah. that was part of. You give Hargrave an extension, and Fletcher Cox is like, "Yo, dude, what right. about me too?" Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a very a, good point. A lot of key decisions to be made. Um, will be interesting and key players too. Like, did we see Fletcher Cox play his last game as an Eagle? Do we see Brandon Graham, Graham play his last con- game as an Eagle? Do we play? Do we see Jason Kelsey play his last game as an Eagle? Like a lot of you know, mm-hmm. key guys might be gone. A lot of coaches might be gone. It doesn't mean the Eagles can't get back here. Um, you know, the Chiefs had some not like the level that the Eagles will have this off season, but they lost Tyreek Hill and they made it back. And obviously that's a lot in large part due to having a great head coach and a great quarterback, but maybe the Eagles have those. And maybe, you know, this can be a team that has some staying power. I don't think there's reason to, um, there's a, I, we don't know either way, you know, there's reasons for optimism. There's reasons to be skeptical of that. I don't know personally in my mindset. And I know I asked the question, but that's part of because we, what we do and have to do again, as people who analyze and create content around this stuff. Personally, going back to what I said at the beginning of the pod, where I'm exhausted by it all, I anyone who wants to talk about, you know, mock draft or who should we sign like immediately after the game, I'm not gonna try to stop anyone. I really should be encouraging it again as someone in my position. But personally, like at a human level, I just can't do that, man. I'm not there yet. I am not. It's been such a long freaking season. I am not. And that's part of the part of that's just like to climb up the mountain again. Like, how am I supposed to get excited about whoever they pick at, you know, like in the third round when, you know, you're looking up this mountain again of what they have to do to potentially get back at this spot to not to say they would lose again, but to potentially right. have it end like it did in this game 
on this one thing and then it's just all whoosh. it's just like okay i'm just tired like, this... it's like playing shoots and ladders and you're like at the top and then you you think like you might win the game right. the whole game and then you roll and then you hit the slide and you're back down to like 35 <laughs> there you go so um you like that's that? where my mind's at right now there's look there's going to be plenty of off season to talk about everything that comes up and by by August or whatever, I'm sure everyone. Um, I mean, I don't know. I can't only speak. For, I can only speak for myself, but maybe there are other people in my boat. There's plenty of time for you to work yourself back up to that point where you're ready to climb the mountain again. But right now, as of today, very much not ready for that. Me, at least, I am. I'm not mm-hmm. ready to think about that. That is a yeah. a uh, something to to do for future me. It's not a current me problem. I don't know. If it's a problem, but it's not a current me problem. It's a future me problem. I'm not ready to address that at all so that's where my headspace is jimmy uh any final thoughts by you um yeah it was uh it's kind of crazy here especially late in the week just how many like nfl royalty (laughs) there is just kind of like wandering around uh in the street or like uh in the in like the the media hotels Mm -hmm. or whatever I was uh, actually at a at a bar, and uh, I'm having a drink, and I just, you know start talking to these other people sat down uh, next to me. It was like one of those long tables at a bar where like kind of different parties kind of share that long yes. table sometimes. Yeah. And uh, sitting next to me, uh, I don't know, I'm just talking to this dude, and I didn't realize who it was. And then it, and then finally it hit me. I was like, oh my god, that's 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 Jim Kelly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Jim Kelly. I mean, for like 15, 20 mm-hmm. minutes before I realized it was Jim Kelly. And then <laughs> Jim Kelly, like I grew up, like my formative years watching mm-hmm. the NFL were watching those Bills teams, you know, losing the Super Bowl every year. But Jeez. they were awesome. With Speaking Jim about Kelly exhausting. Thurman Thomas and Bruce Smith. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That poor franchise or the, that poor franchise's fans. Uh but yeah, I, I wound up talking to Jim Kelly for, I, was, I hung out with Jim Kelly for like two hours. Jim Kelly was like buying me multiple drinks. Wow. So it was like beers. And it was very, very, uh, it was, it was, I don't know. It was very surreal kind of just hanging out with this guy that, uh, you know, I watched as a kid basically dominate every year in the AFC until they got to the Super Bowl or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. That's, that's kind of like the weird fun stuff that can happen out here. Uh, when you're covering a Super Bowl or whatever, uh, but it was a fun week. Uh, I'm glad for the experience, and I would also just like to say, uh, for you know our listeners and my readers, thank you all for reading and listening throughout the season's over now. Thank you all for for you know listening, tuning in, and you know reading our stuff. Um, it was it was a very fun year to cover this team. Uh, ultimately, didn't um, end the way that. I mean, I would love to have gone to a parade. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, certainly uh, didn't end the way that I would have liked, and and obviously it did not end the way that um, you know all Eagles fans would have would have you know hoped for. So, uh, but thank you all for for kind of following along with us uh, for for you know the entirety of this ride this year. Yeah, I was walking home um, from where I was watching the Super Bowl last night, and uh, it's definitely a somber, a somber, weird thing. You're just walking around the city, a bunch of people walking around, but no one's like really saying anything. 
Uh, there were some people partying on Broad last night, which I don't really <laughs> get sad. at all. Like, I don't. Oh, were they okay? I don't understand <laughs> that. Right. I guess some people just came from maybe far and wide and didn't want to miss out on some kind of Broad Street experience anyway. So whatever. But no, not me. Mm-hmm. I just walked. I had work to do, obviously, after the game. Did some work and then walked home. Um, someone did say "Go Eagles" to me as they passed, and I was just like, uh, "Yeah." I was like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> Because uh, it's just like I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing. It's just like I guess, but they lost, and now that's forever. Doesn't mean they can't win again. Um, doesn't mean there won't be fun in the future. But it's just it's a huge missed opportunity, man. Like this this had the chance to be something really really special, and the year still was special in a lot of ways. But when you don't have that one final validating piece to really. Uh, cap it off with it's just feels a lot more hollow than it probably should so that's the situation yeah uh, i would like to echo what you said about everyone supporting bgn radio supporting you know bleeding your nation and com as well because that is what uh, keeps the lights on ultimately is people paying attention and reading and actually caring so we certainly appreciate that hoping we are enhancing your Eagles experience to some extent, or maybe you hate listening to us for all I know. I don't know. Uh, maybe that you enjoy that. <laughs> and if that is the case, then I guess that uh, is good too for you. Uh, in any case, we will not be going anywhere in terms of we have a lot to cover in this off season. I'm sure I will muster up the energy at some point to care about that more than I currently do in this, not even 24 hours after the game ended. Um, but yeah, if you have any suggestions of a nice thing I can do for myself, because let's be real, I deserve it. Um, uh, you can tweet those suggestions <laughs> at me or at Brandon Gowton or email them to me at brandon.gowton at sbnation.com. Or uh, maybe Jimmy is in a similar boat. Probably not. You can tweet at him at Jimmy Kemsky. You can tweet at, at BGN underscore radio and at bleeding green on Twitter. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll talk to everyone soon. Rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. Righteous felon.com, righteous felon, craft turkey, BGN radio, uh, sponsor. You want to use discount code BGN 15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code at wildrangerpet.com for 15% off dog treats. If you're looking to buy, sell, rent a house, or you're looking for some, you know, appraisal, uh, evaluation or whatever, some, some advice. Um, Kristen Roach is licensed in New Jersey, but she can also help you find realtors. I'm sure in other States nearby or elsewhere in the world, potentially, mm-hmm. uh, how would you want to contact Kristen Roach or Roach Realtors to me? You would want to talk, call or text her at 856-906-9295 or go to roachrealtors.com. Jimmy, I'll talk to you again at some point in the future. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.